What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westerholm, Celtics beat writer for Mass Live. I'm joined by Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe, Chris Granham of Forbes, and we are going to do a mock draft. Pretty fun setup. We basically just split it up. It's going to go in order. Uh, Nicole, me, then Grenham, as determined by a dice roll. So as the Minnesota Timberwolves, Nicole, who are you going with? Anthony Edwards, a guard out of Georgia. What else do you know about Anthony Edwards, Nicole? <laughs> <laughs> I think he can score. And I also think he has the potential to be a better defender than LaMelo Ball. And Anthony Edwards seems to be like a pretty athletic guy. There's just more, more of a sure thing there. And I just feel like Minnesota, the franchise is at a point where like you can't just take like a flyer. I feel like they have Cat, who is like a franchise player. And it's like he either is going to get traded or you're going to build around him. And I think Anthony Edwards at least from my brief research, seems to be, like, more of a sure shot and gives them just a better chance at, like, moving forward. Yeah, I really like his fit in Minnesota. I think that's got to be the move for them. Like, everything you said is is accurate. I mean, I think just, like, his physical profile is, is really good with that team. I think just, like, a powerfully built guy, just, like, a freak, freak athlete who can kind of score at all three levels. I, I really like that pick for them. I Edwards is really like the only player in this draft who I like love for Minnesota anyway. So it's kind of great that they got the first pick because I I, I think that he's going to be a nice fit there. Fully on board with the Edwards pick. I mean, he's a big power wing who's a creative scorer and he's got some defensive potential. Like it's a good fit. I have the number two pick. I, it's not a particularly hard one. I, I don't think that the Warriors are going to hang on to this. I think they're going to trade it, but I think they will take LaMelo Ball to trade him because I think he has the most trade value of anybody who would be available here. So I don't know who they would trade him to. I'm not going to get into all of that. I'm not going to start like offering it around to you guys. I'll just take LaMelo Ball off the board at number two. I think Melo has the highest ceiling in the class. I also think he has one of the lower floors. Like He could go in any real direction, but... Yeah, his court vision's so, so elite. He's a creative playmaker. I mean, I, he's got good size too for his position. I, I'm a big mellow supporter, but at number three with the Hornets, they need a big James Wiseman seems to be the guy that's ranked up there. I'm definitely under the belief that Onyeka Okongwu is a much better pick. So I'm going to take him. Let's go at, at I love three. It. You take a defensive-minded big. Charlotte certainly needs a defensive-minded big with a, plenty of upside on both sides of the ball. I like his footwork and passing much better than James Wiseman. Wiseman's not bad by any means, but he doesn't blow me out of the water like he does with a lot of people. Onyeka's he's a good finisher, good post skill. He's really good in pick-and-roll sets. I just like his fit there, and I think Charlotte could put him to really good use. I love that pick. In my mock draft for Mass Life, I actually took Wiseman at number three, but I noted that I would have loved to take Okungwu. It just feels like Wiseman is going to be the pick. I mean, all the projections and everything like really seem to be pushing him in that direction, but I'm with you. I love Okungwu. I, I think his defensive potential is so high. I, I think there's a lot of bam out of bio in his defense. Yeah. He's super versatile. I think he's going to be a, a good rim protector, even though he's only 6'9". Mm-hmm. And then offensively, like 
I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be able to space eventually. Like, I don't think it's going to be like his rookie or sophomore seasons, but like, I could see like by year three, four, like get him up to like 33, 34% from three. He's already very adept around the rim. He's good yeah. in the short roll. Like, there's just so much to like. His footwork and pretty impressive lateral movement makes you think like he's a projectable perimeter big at times. Like, it, sure. it makes, it makes sense moving forward. Love that pick. Uh, Nicole, who you got for Chicago? So at the fourth pick, I will be taking Obi Toppin, a forward out of Dayton. Why, why, why'd you go with Toppin? I was thinking about James Wiseman. It was difficult because I don't really, like, just looking at the Bulls roster and then just looking at their franchise, I feel like they're in such, like, um not a good place. <laughs> so what? I just don't really know exactly, like, what the solution is there. I mean, like, Wendell Carter Jr. like should be a good player and like hopefully he can develop and hopefully they can use him. Like hopefully they can optimize him. Like Kobe White should be like a promising guard. Larry Markinen should also be a competent player. So it's like, I don't really know exactly like what the needs are there, but I figured that Obi Toppin maybe can like play well alongside Markinen and Carter Jr. And then also just like offer some more offense. You're exactly right that, like, it's tough to project exactly what Chicago should do because we don't know how much, like, these guys will develop now that Jim Boylan is out of the picture. Like, what if you go with James Wiseman, but then, like, Carter and Markinen both explode onto the scene? Like, I think that's a really fair concern. That's actually why, in in my mock, I went with Devin Vassell, like, which felt like a stretch because he's projected a little bit lower. But it was like, look, like, you don't know what any of these bigs are, and you might as well take, like, the role player that you know is going to be a good role player. So, like... But I, I like Toppin there because I think that Carter projects as a good defensive center still, and Toppin doesn't. But he's like such a good offensive player that I mean I, I like the scoring punch there. Gives you a good scoring punch. He's a reliable role man. I think he'd fit in fine there. I think it'd be all right. And again, like you said, Chicago's needs are so wide open. Like it's not really like they need this. It, it's it could really go anyway with that pick. Yeah. Also, just for, like, the listeners, Tom and Chris aren't, like, mansplaining or being rude at all. I don't know much about the draft, so I am just, like, winging this and trying to make my picks uh, reasonably, but they are also filling in the gaps there. So it's much appreciated. We deeply respect Nicole's basketball knowledge. We do not deeply respect Nicole's NCAA basketball (laughs) knowledge. That's very accurate. Um, Well, all right, with the number five pick, Cavaliers, I'm going to take James Wiseman off the board here. There's other players that I like a lot more, but I don't know that many of them are a great fit with Cleveland. Again, I thought about Devin Vassell here, but I'll go with Wiseman and I'll just kind of see. I'm curious how he would fit with their guards. I want to see another year of Darius Garland before we make too many kind of monumental decisions about Cleveland's guard rotation. And quite frankly, I think that taking a big in this year's draft isn't a bad idea if you're going to be a lottery team again next year, which the Cavs clearly are the Cavs next year can then take any number of really good players. Like, I mean, if if they get a top three pick next year and they can take Jalen Green, Cade Cunningham, Jonathan Kaminga, they might be really happy to have taken their big this year. So going with Wiseman, I don't love the pick, but I I can see that I I feel like this is a, a slot that makes some sense for him. All right, number six, we've got the Atlanta Hawks. I think this would be a steal for the Hawks at six, but I'm going to go with Isaac Okoro out of Auburn. He's one of my favorite players in this draft. His defensive versatility is through the roof. He doesn't have as high of a ceiling as a lot of other prospects. His floor is much higher. Atlanta could certainly use some defense. And he'd be a good role player to kind of play alongside Trey Young. I mean, they need defensive value in Atlanta pretty bad. And I think Okoro brings it as much as anyone in this class. So 
I think that would be a pretty easy pick for Atlanta if he's there. He's smart on both sides of the ball. He knows how to operate in the pick and roll. And he's a good off-ball player, but his defense is really what makes him a good fit. Would you have taken a Coro if you were Cleveland? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think I would have considered taking Okoro if I was Chicago. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty. <laughs> you high are an Okoro guy. Yeah, yeah. I thought about him with Cleveland. I would rather I go either way. I would rather roll the dice on getting like yeah. a Jalen Green next year. With the seventh pick in the draft, I will be taking Tyrese Halliburton for the Detroit Pistons. He seems to be like a player that might fit in a lot of rosters, but then specifically with Detroit and their need for just someone to sort of run the offense, like I feel like that would be a good fit. Him as an immediate playmaker with Detroit would be a perfect fit. Like he's really smart, good feel for the game. That would be a perfect fit for them. They need that bad. Like having somebody who can be a jack of all trades who can yeah. also shoot. Evan Turner with a shot is kind of a decent description. Mm-hmm. That's a really nice player on Detroit. It's not going to be like the franchise changer, but like at number seven, that that's the tough part about Detroit ending up at number seven. It's just like yeah. they weren't going to get a, a franchise changer this year. All right, so... <laughs> Man, I don't, I don't know what to do with the Knicks. <laughs> I, I really feel horrible don't. for the Knicks. All right, so I'm gonna go for the Knicks. I'm gonna go with Killian Hayes. Jonathan Gavoni had him dropped to number 14 to the Celtics. This I, is I not gonna happen. Imagining that happening, but if it did, I mean, it would be perfect for Boston. Hayes can really create his own shot. He's not like the best athlete in the world, but he, you know, he's got a three point shot that feels like it's developing pretty well, and he's just got a really good feel for the game. I, I think that if his three point shot develops the way I suspect it will. There's a reasonable chance he ends up being like one of the top three players in this year's draft. I, I'm I'm really high on him. Taking a bit of a swing on a star rather than uh, you know trying trying to go for a role player. So I'll go with Killian Hayes at number eight. So number nine is a bit of a personal pick for me as a Washington Wizards fan. I know the Wizards will screw this up in one way, shape, or form uh, as they always do. There's a couple guys on the board who I think would help them. Devin Vassell or someone like Sadiq Bey or Aaron Naismith, they could benefit from that. But if they bring back Davis Bertens, they don't really need extra shooters. They really could use some added athleticism in their front court. So I'm going to take the jump because I could see the Wizards doing this, and I'm going to take Patrick Williams out of Florida State. Again, I think that's a real stretch. I don't think he should be going that high, but I could see the Wizards taking a shot on someone like him. He's kind of a raw talent, but his two-way upside is relatively promising. He's pretty good at the rim. He's got a versatile offensive skill set. He's a good shot blocker, and they need some help defensively, and Patrick Williams is a guy who down the road could help them. As a Wizards fan, I would despise that pick, but I could totally see them going that direction. I cannot believe that you didn't take Sadiq Bey. Well, I'm hoping that he's still there at 12 so I can bring him to Sacramento, but I, I can't believe you didn't bring him to the Wizards. I don't I was, Well, it was perfect, but the Wizards just won't make that pick because he's a smart player who knows what he's <laughs> doing on a basketball court and the Wizards don't like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not the biggest Patrick Williams guy in the world. I I I can see I can see the rationale there for them. Like I I don't totally get where they think Rui Hachimura's best position is going to be. They don't uh, know. I, or, they, I, until Scott Brooks is gone, they're not going to find Rui in a in a consistent role. I feel bad for his fit there right now because it's not concrete at all. I think yeah, Patrick, I feel like Patrick, Patrick Williams Patrick definitely Williams. wouldn't help that concrete. I was going to say <laughs> <laughs> by any means. Uh all right, yeah, cool. Phoenix. With the 10th pick, I'm going to take Aaron Naismith, a forward out of Vanderbilt. I feel like the Suns, as evidenced by their little bubble run, are definitely in win-now mode. So I think they need someone that is ready to contribute, and I think 
Aaron Naismith looks like he could be just like a very strong role player. It doesn't seem like he has any like obvious deficiencies on either end. Like he's comfortable shooting threes. He can drive to the hoop. He is a competitive defender. So I feel like he could fit in well with Phoenix's current system. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. I am going to, at number 11, the San Antonio Spurs. It's hilarious that the Spurs are finally, like, back in the lottery. Yeah. And I'm still, like, I can't believe we let this guy fall to San Antonio. Know, uh, I'm going to take yeah. Devin Vassell. Yeah. How did this guy fall to San Antonio? I, I don't know. I don't know. Because the Wizards are too dumb to take him. <laughs> <laughs> high-level shooter, high-level defender. Really, really good 3 and D role potential. Uh, not much of a shot creator. There's a little bit there. It doesn't get a whole lot safer than Devin Vassell, and I think he would fit just perfectly on that San Antonio roster right now. He, he'd, be, he'd be a really good player for them. I think he's probably the best 3 and D prospect in this draft. But there's another really good 3 and D prospect from Villanova named Sadiq Bey, who it's no secret that he's my favorite player in this draft. So I'm going to send him. I feel horrible about sending him to Sacramento, but I'm going to send him to the Kings at number 12. Really high floor, good defensive versatility, good size, can provide floor spacing, good IQ. He's a good, competent shooter, and he's got a big frame. I mean, he's got good size as well, and he moves well. But, I mean, any of those guys, Naismith, Vassell, or Sadiq Bey, they're going to help wherever they end up right off the bat because they can bring that floor spacing, they can bring the confident shooting, and they're all pretty good defensively in their own way. And so I like the three of them as much as anyone in this early, you know, top 15 set of prospects. It is kind of funny how we talk all the time about how Naismith and Bay and Vassell are kind of grouped, yeah. and we literally just took them, like, back to back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Vassell will end up going higher than 11, too. kind of like you said, because I think he is probably the best out of that group. Again, who knows? But, yeah, it, it is funny how we just group them together all the time. Nicole, who do you got for the Pelicans? Tyrese Maxey out of Kentucky. That's a good pick. I like Maxey's fit there. I mean, he's got a really – talk about feel for the game – He's got one of the better ones in terms of backcourt guys. I mean, he's a hard worker, and he's got a really good motor. He's not the most athletic guard, but that's a guy who could plug in and help in New Orleans, I think. That was my thinking, too. It just seems like he can just plug in there and not take away necessarily from, like, the show that Zion is. And, like, this is like a – I feel like a – What's the right word? Not like a surefire, but like it's not like a flyer necessarily. Like this little guy. Yeah. 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 yeah, That's, that's a good call. I agree with that. You guys put me in a tough position with the Celtics. The one that you've all been waiting for. (laughs) Yeah. So, all right. At number 14, I'm going to go with Cole Anthony out of UNC. We know he's going to be able to score because he was able to do it on that garbage UNC team. You know, Danny likes to take guys who have a history of being, you know, really good in high school and and maybe like had a tough season at at, at the NCAA level. You know, Anthony could really provide some scoring off the bench, could definitely provide some floor spacing. So the fact that he slipped to 14 here is kind of a favor for Boston. Yeah, I mean, he's probably one of the best scorers in the draft. I mean, his offensive punch alone is is really huge, and he would help the Celtics off the bench right away. It's no secret that they need that scoring. I think a lot of his stock, maybe not from the real evaluators, but from fans and and everyone on Twitter, is that it's tough to see his stock as high as it was because of his college year. But he was just stuck in a really crappy situation, and and that happens a lot with guys. And now with no workouts or any postseason play or anything like that, it's it's limited for how much his stock can rise. So he might be able to fall like this. I don't think he will, but there's a chance he could slide, and I think it'd be a great pick for the Celtics at 14 if they can get him. All right, well, now that we're done with the lottery, let's take a quick break to hear from Bet Online. 
Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels, so never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the U.S., and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun, T-H-E-R-A-G-U-N, dot com slash blue wire all right so i have the orlando magic at 15 and this is another guy who probably won't slip down this far uh, but i'm gonna go with denny avdia if that is how you say his name the magic have an interesting backcourt situation because they seem to like where Fultz currently is but they've got some uncertainty with Fournier and Terrence Ross's contract situations and even DJ Augustine. I don't know where they're going to go from there. So FDJ doesn't really help fill a guard role, but he does have a good combination of size and playmaking. A versatile 6'9 guy who's good in the pick and roll. He can spread the ball thanks to his court vision, and he's a good playmaker. He's good in transition. He can really help just about anyone. I think the Magic could make plenty good use out of his passing height combo. I mean, that's a great, attractive combination. And in addition, he's a pretty good off-ball defender from what I remember seeing. So I think he'd be solid in Orlando. So I'll go with him if he were to fall this far down. No complaints on my end. Uh, he's not going to fall that far. Yeah. <laughs> so with the 16th pick for the Portland Trailblazers, I'm going to take Josh Green. According to some of the mock drafts that I've been looking at, this seems to be like a little bit higher than he was projected. However, given Portland's roster, I mean, they have Damian Lillard, they have CJ McCollum, and then they have Nurkic and Collins. So I feel like Green sort of fits in as like a 3 and D guy. They could definitely use like a defensive spark. So I feel like he could be a good fit there. Yeah, he's the perfect fit. He's the, he's the guy I had, I had them taking at 16 in my Mass Live mock too. Like, I have, I have real concerns about his shooting, um, but he's a, he's a smart player and he's such a good defender, like at the wing 
So that puts me up at 17 with the Timberwolves. I am in a position to take the guy that I took from Minnesota on my Mass Live mock again. I'm going with Alexei Pokusevsky. I love the idea of having him in Minnesota along with Anthony Edwards. The potential of D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and a seven-footer who passes and handles the ball and shoots like a wing all playing together. It was just, it's just kind of chaos. I think it'd be a lot of fun. So I feel like since Minnesota got the number one pick and they took, you know, a guy who you're pretty sure is going to be a, a very good player, you can take a bit of a swing at number 17 on somebody like Pokusevsky. So that's where I'm going. At 18, kind of a tough pick with the Mavericks because we all know how great they are offensively at this point. They could use some help defensively on the wing. Josh Green would have been a great pick here. Obviously, he's off the board. So that limits the choices a little bit, and I'm going to have to reach a little bit. I would go with Desmond Bain, but I think that's way too high. So I think I'm going to go Jaden McDaniels, which is also too high, but I'm going to go with Jaden McDaniels. I like that two-way versatility. He's got good size. He's pretty long, and he's athletic as hell. I mean, I think he'd be fun to add into that already pretty fun team. He's a good lateral mover. He's a pretty good shooter. And he does need to fill out his frame a little bit more. He's not a guy who's going to be, you know, a lockdown defender right off the bat. For a guy who has NBA size and some pretty good defensive versatility, I think the Mavs could use him pretty well. I would have just uh, gone way too high with Desmond Bain. I I wanted to, but I didn't have, I didn't have the guts to do it. Yeah. Cause Bain is a guy who has that defensive skill set, like fully formed already, basically. And he shot 44% for three. Yeah. yeah. I should have done that. (laughs) Mark Cuban just mad at himself. (laughs) (laughs) All right. With the 19th pick for the Brooklyn Nets. So I have no idea what the Nets are going to do with their roster, especially given that Kyrie and Katie seem to be in charge. I mean, I know that's a narrative, but I think that also is partially true. I don't really know exactly where they're going, but obviously they're in like win now mode. And the thing is, is they have like a pretty strong roster, but I just don't know who's going to be on it next year. So I'm going to go with RJ Hampton. I feel like he has a lot of potential. I don't know from what I've read. I don't know if he's like ready to sort of contribute right now, but he's extremely athletic. I think that he definitely is going to need time to develop, but given how strong the Nets roster is at the moment, at least, I think he'll have time to do that. I think there's just like a lot of potential there in terms of he can become like a really good defender because he's so athletic and he can already like drive to the hoop, has like a good first step, but then he can take the time sort of to develop his jumper. Yeah, I think Hampton's a good pick there. I, I would be curious to see what Brooklyn looks to do. Like, I, I, like, I wonder if they would use that pick and like, like, I don't know how they're looking to like improve their roster. Like if Karis Levert might be available, Levert in the 19th pick could probably get you something pretty good. But I think if they stay put, I, I like Hampton for them for sure. And I think that he would fill a, a pretty nice role. And actually, I will say, you know, you mentioned that you weren't like, we're not sure if he can contribute right away, but he played for the New Zealand Breakers last year who were a good team and he actually contributed. Like, he actually did some things for them in sort of more of a role as opposed to being like the star that he was in high school. So no, I I think Hampton's a a good pick for them. I I hope he ends up in a spot like that where he can kind of have the time to develop and stuff because his decision-making needs to come along. He needs to, you know, his frame isn't great right now, but if he can take some time to develop and isn't forced into a role where he's got to produce right off the bat, I think he could really benefit from that. And Brooklyn is a spot where he could. Agreed. All right, so at number 20, I uh, I, I think this is actually a pretty easy one. Miami's going to take Kira Lewis out of Alabama. Goran Dragic is getting a little older. The, you know, Miami point guard situation it could use uh, an infusion of talent. And I think that, you know, Lewis projects to be, you know, maybe a mid-tier starting point guard. He could be a starter someday. So 
Um, you know, I love his speed. I think his three point shooting is really coming along. So taking Kira Lewis off the board or the Miami Heat. All right. 21 with the Sixers. They need shooting. So I'm going to go with Tyrell Terry. He's a little undersized, but he's probably one of the best shooters in this draft. In terms of evaluators, some people have him as high as the lottery. Other people have him in the second round. So there's a pretty wide range of opinions on this guy. But, I mean, he has a really, really quick, good release. And he can run off screens, and, and his catch-and-shoot ability is really great. That's what the Sixers need. I think it would be a good fit. Terry's an interesting one because, I mean, obviously there's been, like, very smart draft people who have had him up in the lottery. There have been other very smart draft people who have had him down in, like, the late second round. So, like, right. I have no idea what to make of him. So, yeah, probably having him at, like, 22 is is appropriate. I also like that for Philly, he offers some playmaking. Uh, I feel like they really need some playmaking. I, I had them take Theo Maladon in mind just because I felt like they could use like a point guard who can, you know, competently handle the ball and maybe run a pick and roll every once in a while. But I, I like Terry for them for that reason. Like, I think he is going to be able to do that at a really high level. Yeah, and he's a smart player too. Sometimes his shot selection can be a little hairy, but in terms of pick and roll and his playmaking ability, like he's a relatively smart player. He's got a good feel for the game. So that'd fit yeah. nicely in Philly. Agreed. I like that one. Okay, so the Nuggets are obviously, I mean, they're a Western Conference contender. So I feel like they're in a spot where they could like draft someone with instant offense or also like take a flyer and see if they develop. But I feel like with Jokic and Murray, just like a solid role player, Nico Mannion, guard out of Arizona. The Nuggets are hard because they've got a lot of everything. Like, what what are you looking for for them? Because even when you start yeah. to get into their bench, it's like, well, they have Monty Morris. Like, they have, like, all these good players. Like, the Nuggets don't really need anything except for maybe, like, I don't know, Michael Porter Jr. to, like, realize his potential. Like, I feel like that's literally what they need at this point. If he does slide, Nico's a guy who I think would benefit from falling down the board and into a position like that instead yeah. of somewhere and who's going to force him into a high-usage role right off the bat. Agreed. All right, I at number 23, I have the Utah Jazz, who I'm going to take Desmond Bain. You know, I feel like they, they could use some scoring punch off the bench. Bain, we mentioned it a minute ago, he shot 44% from three last year. He's, he's a good defender despite his lack of, like, explosive athleticism for Utah to, to get that little bit of extra scoring punch off the bench. could really benefit them in a lot of interesting ways. No complaints for me on that one. So now 24 you go to the Bucks, who, again, similar to the Nuggets, aren't a team that, like, you really need to fill any needs. Um, I'm going to go with Jalen Smith from Maryland. He's certainly talented, and he has the upside of an intriguing late first-rounder. He's a good screener. He's a good scorer inside, but I- I'm not sure. I mean, his pick-and-roll defense is pretty poor. His skill set doesn't really match his size at the pro level. So I'm not really sure how he's going to work over the next couple years, but – a team like Milwaukee could take a shot at him because they don't need him to be a force right off the bat. Well, and when you look at his skill set and you look at the way my uh, Milwaukee plays, he actually makes a lot of sense because yeah, he's right. 6'10", and because he's a drop big in pick-and-roll coverage, exactly. that's, that's all Milwaukee wants to do anyway. They just want to yeah. wall you off away from the paint. So like, yeah. having a guy out there who's kind of more of a four anyway, who right. can space the floor in Giannis at the five lineups, Like, I think Jalen Smith actually makes a lot of sense for Milwaukee. There's a lot of teams that I don't think he makes any sense for in yeah. the NBA, and I think that Milwaukee happens to be one of the few that he does. Okay, with the 25th pick for the Oklahoma City Thunder, I'm going to take Precious Achua. I feel like he is the type of guy that you would say that you're, like, taking a flyer on. With the Thunder, he's not necessarily in, like, in need to contribute now. And they have so many first-round picks in the future that if he does pan out and if he is able to, like, develop into a role that they hope, like, hopefully that matches their timeline, if that makes sense. Tom, you're not all that high on Precious, are you? I'm not, no. But, I mean, I think at this stage in the draft it makes like totally, it, it yeah. makes some sense, yeah. 
Um, and I think everything Nicole said makes sense too. I, I I'm not, I'm not a huge Achua guy. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I like the, the potential for versatility in his defensive game. Yeah. But other than that, there's a lot of question marks with me for him. I, I liked him in high school. I liked him a lot less after seeing him at Memphis, which it's not that he had a bad year at Memphis. It's just that I, I think that there's some question marks as to how he's going to fit at the NBA level. Yeah, his feel for the game isn't great, which is probably concerning for a guy his size. But a guy who has a wingspan over seven feet, he's like six nine. He's really athletic. Like that alone is pretty intriguing to me. And again, if he were to slip this far back into the first round, I think he's definitely a worthwhile pick. I could see him going earlier, just filling that athletic, versatile forward role for someone who's looking for that. For because sure. again, there's not all that much of that in this class. And so if somebody wants to take him in the mid-teens, I could see him going there too. All right, so at number 26, the Boston Celtics are back on the board. I am going to take Leandro Balmero out of Barcelona. He's just so fun. He's so flashy. He's so uh, he's so creative. Super, super good ball handler, super good passer. You know, he's, he's a potential stash guy, which is really important to the Celtics, obviously. And I, I think it was Gavoni who pointed out that if they stash him, he'll be stashed at Barcelona. You know, he'll be stashed in a place where he's playing professional basketball, and he is still developing in, in a professional way. So really like Balmero, taking him at number 26 to the Boston Celtics. All right, the Knicks could go a variety of ways at 27. In this particular draft, we had them taking Killian Hayes, right, at yeah. 8. Yeah, so they've already grabbed a guard. So that would lead me to think that maybe they're looking for a little front court help. A guy like a wing, like a Robert Woodard might make sense for them. This is me speaking through my thoughts. I'm not officially selecting him just yet. I'm, I'm between Woodard or a guy like Tyshawn Alexander from Creighton, who is a good guard. But again, I don't think they would take two guards. So I'm going to stick with him, ignoring the fact that the Knicks already took Killian Hayes because I like Tyshawn Alexander. I watched him at Creighton a lot, and he's a guy who is just like a really solid player. He's a reliable guard. He's a, he makes a lot of winning plays, and he's good defensively. He, again, he's reliable. He's a good feel for the game, good IQ, and he can provide some nice shooting off the bench for a Knicks team that needs just about everything. So probably not likely if the Knicks use their first pick on a guard that they would go with guard here. But I like Tyshawn Alexander, and I think he should go in the late first round. I like taking uh, a guy who is is just as good as any of like the sort of the consensus guys in the lottery. Yeah. Like, there's no reason that Tyshawn Alexander couldn't go late in the lottery. Yeah. Like, nobody else is gonna like other people aren't really mocking him there. So like, I feel like everybody is just gonna mock him in the second round to be safe. Why couldn't he be a first round pick? Like, he's literally totally. as he's good, good as any like of these that. Guys. That's a guy who would have really benefited from you know individual workouts and meeting with teams because again, he's a solid. He's a good teammate. He's a good guy to add to your roster. And if you're one of the better teams. Obviously, the Knicks are not, but if you're one of the better teams in the back end of this first round and you're looking for a guy who can come in and probably contribute right away off the bench, you know, know his role and fill his role, he's a guy who who could do just that. No, I like that. All right, finally, my last pick. And if this is any indication of what Tom and Chris have been saying in that, like, this draft gets, like, very questionable as you go on, my selection process has, like, matched that because it has gotten increasingly stressful as we've gotten later in the draft (laughs) to try and figure out who is the correct pick. For the Los Angeles Lakers, I'm going to take Tyler Bay, a forward out of Colorado. 
I feel like he can play defense, which is good for the Lakers. I mean, obviously they have LeBron James, Anthony Davis. They're trying to win now. Originally, I was like, oh, maybe like a backup point guard. But Alex Caruso has proven to like be competent in that role. So I decided to go with someone that is a strong defender. And then also it seems like he shows potential as like a shooter as well. I like that fit. I mean, his his yeah. value comes defensively for sure because he's a bit of a tweener. Otherwise, he he was a big at Colorado, and I think that's going to cause some problems in terms of adjusting at the pro level. But Agreed. if he's in a role like the Lakers and he knows how to fill it solely on the defensive end, kind of similar to much different scenario, but like Romeo Langford is just filling that defensive role when he gets rotation minutes for the Celtics. If they could do that for the Lakers, that would be perfect. I like that. For the Raptors at number 29, I'm going to go with Devon Dotson out of Kansas. I, I like the idea of them shoring up their guard depth, and I like Dotson better than a lot of the guys here. There's a couple of other intriguing guards who I would take a look at who are mocked a lot lower. I still don't understand why Emmanuel quickly is mocked so low. I think he's going to be a good player. But for the Raptors, I, I like that Dotson, he's so athletic and just fast and you know gets the rim so well. I think he puts a lot of pressure on your defense around the basket. Um, and I think that, you know, he shot 83% from the free throw line last year. Like I, I know he wasn't like an elite three point shooter in college, but we've often talked about how free throw shooting is a better indicator sometimes of future three point success. So going with Dotson to Toronto to uh, help shore up their guard depth. All right. Number 30, the Celtics final first round pick. This is a luxurious position to be in considering we've got basically the entire second round to pick from and they need some front court help with the way this has filtered out. It's, it's hard because the Celtics have a lack of roster space. So if you grab a guy who you want coming off the bench as a big next year, it's going to be tough. Like there's a good chance the G League season doesn't even happen next year. So like if you are picking a guy who you're expecting to bounce back and forth to Maine, like that might shy you away from taking a big man like Isaiah Stewart. A guy like Vernon Carey is someone who it might be worthwhile to take a flyer on. A guy like Isaiah Stewart, too, I know there's a lot of mixed opinions on him. I think he would supply some reliable rebounding and hardworking action off the bench. But I would be completely misleading you all if I didn't pick Paul Reed here with the final <laughs> pick. So uh, Junior added to Paul. He's an athletic guy who is a disruptor defensively. His shot is not great. His decision-making is not great. But he is super, super athletic. And I think he can progress offensively down the road where he can help you in the front court. But I think he would be that defensive burst in the front court off the bench that could be useful in the next year, Tim. But again, also like you might want to draft in stash here because you have no room. You, you do. Or, or yeah. like, or you take you a look. I won't even have this pick or something if you. Yeah. Or you take a look at your roster and you say, all right, like, where are we definitely going to like lose somebody or cut somebody? And right. then you try to replace that guy. Exactly. Instead. When you were, I thought you were warming up to make the Vernon Carey pick. And I, I was thinking, about the, yeah, I have written down Vernon Carey or Paul Reed in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I think they're drafting a big for the Celtics. Like when you look at their roster and you look at the guys who they're going to get rid of. And, and this is why I like Paul Reed is because he's a little bit more of a tweener than those yeah. other guys. I mean, he's obviously mostly a big man, but he's, he's That's not the first like, time he, I've heard you utter those words. I like Paul Reed. We need to cut that and just use that. <laughs> I've never heard Tom say that. I mean, I, I like him for the Celtics more than I like Vernon Carey and like Udoko as a I just think like if you're drafting for the Celtics as a big and, and you, and you take a look at it as who are the Celtics going to have next year, they're going to have Daniel Tice. They're going to have Robert Williams. They're going to have Grant Williams at that point it's like well then why are you taking a big at all because you know that those three guys are going to be there even if you don't even if you feel like the Celtics need help at center 
I don't think that like Vernon Carey or Yudoka Azubuki are going to be the, right. that help. So like it doesn't make much sense to draft one of those big guys. Paul Reed is more versatile, more athletic than those guys for sure. He makes more sense for them. I I, I would have gone with Emmanuel quickly. That's I thought you were going to say Cassius Stanley. <laughs> well, I would also go with Cassius Stanley, but that's just personal preference. I think I think I really think Emmanuel quickly makes a lot of sense for the. Celtics. He does. No, he does. And I kind of joke about Paul Reed's janky shot and stuff, but I think he does make a lot of sense. He rotates well. He's got good length. He's a good lateral mover. And to add that into your front court, kind of as that defensive spark plug, like that's great. So what? He's erratic offensively. Like you don't really need him to contribute offensively right off the bat. So I think it could be a useful pick. I could see him going early second, late first round. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. Uh, Nicole, I'm curious how, like, like all of your draft picks made sense. Like, you know, you didn't make like any picks where I was like, oh, that didn't make any sense. Right. I'm curious what the experience was like for you, like doing a mock draft without having watched any of these guys. Just like you go through the list of the people you picked, like nobody would kill the Timberwolves for taking Edwards. Nobody would kill the Bulls for taking Toppin. No one would kill the Pistons for taking Tyrese Halliburton. Um, they're all sound picks. Yeah. They're all sound yeah. picks. It's funny because, and I'm exposing myself here. I couldn't tell you who I picked for any of the teams like, right <laughs> off the bat, probably. But no, I mean, I, I feel like my descriptions were more like, oh, need-based, whereas you guys are more like talking about the prospects. So that was basically my approach, was I just looked at the NBA roster and then thought like, okay, who can fit here? And then scoured my like four open tabs of different mock drafts and was like, control F defense. I think that's a good, <laughs> I think that's a good way to approach it. Especially in this year's draft where there isn't any like star talent. Right. You look at like next year's drafting. Yeah, next year you might want to take the best player available because the best player available might end up being a star. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like this year, eh, the best player available probably isn't going to be a star. So yeah. like if yeah. you can get somebody who. Except for Sadiq Bay, but. <laughs> Except for Sadiq Bay. And yeah. All right. Well, we will leave it there. Thank you guys all for listening. Please feel free to get in touch with us, DM us, let us know what you think. Just a programming note for the remainder of the postseason. Tom and I are going to try and record every day. Hopefully we can stick to that. Once the postseason is over, we will return back to our Monday-Thursday schedule. But in the meantime, expect some more Geno time in your podcast feeds. And as Tom said, please feel free to reach out if you have any suggestions for the show. Thanks so much for listening.